All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achebe's, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, Even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we've got David Hogan of Always Moto back to talk all things Red Bud and injuries. Fresh from the scene, because he's at Red Bud, he had a great time attending on the weekend, mate. So how was it? And uh, thanks for joining us for this one. Yeah, thanks, Ed. It's uh, awesome to be back again with you guys on MX Vice. And, and look, yeah, coming down off the high of uh, Red Bird. <laughs> it's kind of a compulsory, compulsory way of saying it nowadays. Yeah, mate, obviously it would have been a cracking weekend. The fans looked like they were pretty lively and the weather was pretty good, especially compared to the nations, for example. But how was it, mate? How was the Aussie boys? Did you proud? Apart from obviously Hunter having that accident, which we won the first one, he, he recovered all right by the look of it. It's just, you know, a banged up arm, which you spoke to Dazzy about, mate. But were the Aussies well received there? And how was the atmosphere and the vibe and all that? Look, the the Aussies are always well received. The only one that seems to be getting more well received at the moment when they do the rider intros is Hayden Deegan. It just seems like he is just absolutely, you know, overpowering the fan numbers. The the sound that came out when when they announced him was ridiculous. Uh, and then it wasn't. It was probably helped by the fact that he'd been hitting the, the leap all weekend. So he's he's definitely a fan favorite. But the Aussie boys definitely are up there with the um with the popularity, which is awesome. And and yeah, just that the whole event is just insane um for anyone who hasn't been there the the venue is just ginormous compared to any normal motocross track you've probably ever been to it's like it's like you can't i I can't explain how big the venue is and and give you context of of the entryway and the amount of vehicles that were in there is it's just ginormous but the people are nuts very patriotic with all their red white and blue um and yeah, look, the racing was awesome. The fact that we we almost had a perfect weekend for the Aussie boys, it just sort of tipped over right there with with Hunter at the end. But um, yeah, look, he, he's obviously survived it okay. Um, and we did catch up with Dazzy, and I did see Hunter in the pits afterwards, and he was he was looking all good. Just a bit disappointed in how it sort of ended, I gather. Yeah, no, it was a bit of a shame, mate, but obviously he still got the lead over Hayden. And just after you see Deegan winning that, you can hear the USA chance going pretty strong, mate. And it's it's definitely one of the best events on the whole motocross calendar around the world, mate. And did you enjoy seeing those cool lit kits and all the bikes done up for it, mate? And obviously the fans looked the part as well to uh, accompany that too, didn't they? The fans are amazing. They are pretty much all of them have something that they've done specifically just to be there at Red Bud in terms of their outfit. It's I can't explain some of the things I saw. It's not it's not PG either, so it's quite <laughs> funny. But um, no, and look, all the bikes um, walking around on Friday when they had press day um, and just seeing all the bikes out there and you know their their new kits. Um, the Star bikes really set off really nicely. They had a very special kit going on. Um, even the, the Red Bull KDM guys, um, their, their bikes was something different with the number layout and everything as well, but just obviously all the red, white, and blue that goes into the kits, Adam Cincerullo's kit stands out to me. Um, yeah, it's just awesome to see something different. Like they, they go all out for red, but it kind of helped the fact that it was also the 50th anniversary for it this Mm. weekend, which was, um, yeah, that has obviously some special merch going around and yeah, it was, it was insane. Yeah, it was certainly good the weather accompanying it too, mate. And just uh, how how was uh, AP7 received, mate? Obviously, the fans love Plessinger. He gets right into it too. Was he lapping it up? 
Oh, uh, he was, but he was a bit. Um, when I spoke to him after the event, he was a bit uh, reserved and from his usual self. He was battling a bit of a back injury and and sort of just struggling with, you know, obviously having the freedom of movement and then the the positive attitude to go with it because he's a little bit, uh, you know, not coping as well. But at like six or six, I think it was nearly six thirty. So what the race had been done for maybe an hour and a half, half or longer. And there were still people trying to get AP, you know, and get a photo with him, get him to sign something, you know, <laughs> random on their body. <laughs> and I'm standing there trying to get an interview and I'm like, mate, you're just one popular guy, aren't you? And they're like, they love it and I love it and I love them. So he, he's an awesome, he's, a, he's definitely a crowd favourite. Oh, yeah. And obviously Chase, bit of a home race for him too, mate. How was he received? Probably not as much as AP, but he, I think he was pretty happy to be there. It's always a special one for him and a special one for the fans because a lot of people he knows are there too, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I actually was um, around the Honda truck a bit um, in the morning of the race. And yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, seemed like, like local people that he knew just coming up to say hello and wish him well. So I think that was special for Chase to be back at, you know, that that race particularly to come back from that injury that he's been just recovering from. Yeah, so to talk a little bit about the racing, mate, obviously start with Jed. Uh, yeah, he just keeps putting himself in those positions to succeed with those awesome starts, avoids the chaos. I think that's eight hole shots now. He just looks so good, you mm. know, the momentum through the turns, through those really nasty ruts. And, and on top of that, the way he just controls and manages the races. And he's almost like hitting the leap, doing a little leg swag and like trying not to over jump it sort of, you know, it's quite incredible watching him, mate, on the TV at least. And just, yeah, the line selection, you know, the speed that he's carrying and you know all those waves, he just made it look so easy, didn't he, mate? Balanced, picking the front wheel up, this kind of stuff, mate. How is it seeing him in the flesh, mate? It must have been a joy. Oh, it's so easy to watch. Like, obviously, on TV, you see it and you, you sort of you, you think, oh, yeah, he's doing it easy. But when you see it in person and you can then see everyone, because obviously on the TV coverage, you only see a handful of riders go through that section. You don't get to see, like, the you know, the 29th place guy or the or the 35th place guy go through that same section and struggle with it and then see him, you know, go through and just make it look like the track or that bump wasn't even there. And, and the bit that sort of stood out to me, particularly one was his obviously his corner speed, but his position on the bike through those corners to then maintain that corner speed is just phenomenal. And, and him and Hunter particularly were just so a class above in that aspect. But both of them picked up on, and you probably saw it on the coverage, the end of the, the rollers uh, where there was a little inside like um, half roller yeah and the way that they both figured out the end of that just to slow down off the last well, what would have been the third last one to drop into the pocket and then pop that inside roller and they basically ended up turning on top of it and creating a little berm and absolutely pinning it down the back side of it through the corner they were saving at least a second or two on everybody else that couldn't pick that up it was so effortless to watch and it's just like how do you figure that out? And and he was greasing it every lap. It was amazing to watch. Just I was standing up. I was actually up on the hill just above that watching it and just in awe with my jaw on the floor. Yeah, it was impressive, mate. It's poetry in motion watching those lads. And obviously that's 10 straight moto wins, five consecutive overalls. Yeah, undefeated so mm. far this uh, season for him. It kind of in cruise mode when you're watching him. Obviously, it's harder than he makes it look. But you saw in that one, the second one especially, I think it was, you know, Ferrandis and Sexton were sort of 
within 10 seconds of him. And then the next best was AP like a minute back. So um, how did you see for Anderson Sexton? There was a pretty cool little battle going on behind there too. And they were doing their own great battling and their own cool styles of riding. Obviously for Anderson is a bit more sort of mixing the power and the bulldog and then Sexton's more in the Lawrence mold, but it must've been really cool to see that contrast as well. Yeah, they definitely have different two different styles and approaches to the track. And, and obviously then you can hear it in the bike and the, and the attitude of the bike as 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 you're watching it go around and um just yeah but like to have them actually battling was was awesome seeing Dylan sort of pulling it, it hasn't been the greatest start to the outdoors and I feel like he you know took a step up at Redbud and and you could see that in the results and his riding and whether that's just that the track was maybe you know that softer dirt um suited the style better I don't know but he he just he rode a lot better but yeah Chase had a bit of Bit of bad luck in terms of some the starts and then that little tip over in in the start of Moto early Moto Two, um, but he came through the field well. But when you go back to that comment about Jet sort of marking and the gap that he had on him, Jet is one hundred percent in cruise control because he's watching. You, you you can see him looking over at certain points of the track and just marking them and right going yep right I've still got that same gap still got that same gap and then he might put in one or two quick laps and he just pulls like another five seconds and ends up around another corner and then starts marking them from there and you're like oh man I wish I could do that you know and make it look that simple yeah he's sort of like 20 minutes in he was sort of 2.4 seconds ahead of Ferrandis and you're like oh could this become like a pretty interesting battle here but like you said he manage it and just extend when he needs to it's uh nothing short of amazing is it mate and for Sexton do you think he'd be happy with that because obviously it's probably not that realistic to expect him after a month away to be instantly challenging Jed even though we know he's an absolute class act mate but yeah he probably would have been happy with that return um it's a really nice riding just the tip over probably ruined it yeah probably can't complain on his end no, he he shouldn't be shouldn't be un, unhappy with that. Like that's a great way to come back. Obviously, you want to come back and win the race, but you know that's never really realistic. Um, you know your fitness is just not perfect. Your your sharpness to the details of of those you know little things like the body position, a rut pickup, all that sort of stuff just isn't quite there. And you could see that that's where that's where his starts weren't quite on point, and and that sort of left him in those little little holes to work through. But you could see. Particularly Moto One for me, when he was trying to make, I think he felt like he could do it and get to Jet early, but he was too far back. But he had some, he had a really aggressive look to him in that early in that Moto One, and I think all that's positive. He's gonna start give him, give him another week or two, and he's gonna be right to the back wheel of Jet here very very soon. Yeah, it looks like the other guys are kind of you know, building a bit of momentum so they might be able to challenge him in the next couple of weeks, which will be pretty good. But obviously Jet loves these kind of tracks too, so it should make some great racing, mate. But, um, <laughs> a man you spoke to, obviously, Jason Anderson, you know, he got, he gave you some pretty good insights on that neck injury, mate, just how it's been for him. And yeah, he did pretty well. You could see he was finding a bit of flow towards the end and obviously the speed wasn't there, but it was just good to see him back out there because, you know, he loves racing and we all love watching him race because he's just such a unique sort of rider. He lets it hang out. He's like he's surfing almost isn't it it's a fun guy to watch he's he's really cool to watch like just that that different technique and obviously the way the shirt starts hanging out you can tell he's <laughs> going for it but yeah when i spoke to jason after the race one he was obviously happy to be there but he'd obviously put in in the last sort of two weeks a lot of time on the bike um just trying to get the feel back into it and obviously so he comes in a bit fatigued in that sense too like he's not at that high physical performance point to, to return to but 
from the injury standpoint, he sounds you know sounds to be all good. It's just purely getting the the race fitness back and the race speed back, which. As he said, you know, you can't get that just doing laps at a practice track. He, he has to come and be uncomfortable and put himself in that scenario where the intensity and the heart rate really jacks up. And the only way you can do that is be on track. So he was happy to be there. He was happy with the result. Um, he knew he wasn't going to do much better. And But he's just, he's like you said, he's a racer. He wanted to be up there. And that was awesome, the fact that he was able to be back and putting it there. But it sort of goes back to our last chat too about where we're comparing timeframes with Jeffrey Hurlings and, and the injury timeframe. It, it shows that even if, you know, that, that initial time frame they'll talk about for Jeffrey, it's probably not going to be possible. The the way you even come back from fitness and the race pace and all that, it, it takes more than just, you know, you can't just turn up and go for it day one, you know. Yeah, I and mean, he was saying to you, obviously, you can't just, you know, with that injury, you can't go and do really anything. You can't really risk it. You just got to let it heal. So to come exactly. in basically very underprepared, it's uh it was a good insight there, mate. And another man that obviously caught the eye was Ty Masterpool. See, the, the crash ruined him and then the bike issue. But um, yeah, it was how impressive was he? Second for like over 10 minutes and he was in the top three for, for 20 minutes, really holding his own on that just privateer setup, mate. And we know he loves Red Bud and the fans looked like they were really here for him. And you could just see the talent and he deserved respect for battling with those factory guys and, you know, beating a lot of them, really, wasn't he, mate? So just sad yeah. the way his weekend ended, but he was well received and the riding must have been pretty cool up close. It was really cool up close, and he he did a stellar job in that first moto. Just yeah, fate would have it that <laughs> the the unfortunate moto gods wouldn't let that see its way through. But I I was actually talking to a couple of people. You know, guys were messaging me saying, "Oh, how's it? How is it? Who's looking fast in the morning?" And the one person that caught my eye early in in the first session of on the day was was Ty. I was standing just after the whole shot line where there's that left U turn, and the speed he was carrying through that corner and the aggression as he was coming out of it and then the right kink after that down the hill, he was he was phenomenal around that section of track. And I was like, he is on, and he, he showed it later in the day. He carried it all the way through, just obviously privateer budget. The, the motor might not be as up to scratch as it could be <laughs> if he had some more money or more parts. Maybe Kawasaki's going to start kicking down some more stuff, but... Yeah, that's that's how it goes for privateer. One minute you're up, one next minute you're blowing a bike up. So anyway. Yeah, mate. A couple of those other sort of smaller riders with teams just uh how was the Wildcat guys? Obviously, Steve from Pulp MX stepped up and sponsored them for this one. Lucershi, I believe, had the shock issue and you spoke to him in that second one. But yeah, that was his speed, mate. He was yeah, got past Jason Anderson and you know, put eight seconds on him in that second one. And obviously Boutron, massive first moto charge and did his thing in the second one, consistent, reliable, mate. But they must have been fan favorites, those guys too. Yeah, they they were um getting a bit of attention and obviously their their setup uh stands out too. Um the pulp logo there for, for on the shrouds this week also stood out a fair bit and they're getting that support, which is awesome. And it sounds like they're gonna make most of these races coming up here. They've got a few people that are apparently stepping in, um, which is awesome this to, to hear for them. But yeah, L- Lorenzo, I spoke to him afterwards. He was flying um, in some of those motos there. He was going really well. It just obviously, again, a little bit not factory level, right? You know, team prep and and the shock bolt backs out and, and ruins what could have been a really awesome day for him. Um, and yeah, obviously he was disappointed there at the end, but he he was stoked on how how he's riding and and how the bike felt up to that point. And then yeah, Butron, what a surprise he's been! Like you know, he, he's not exactly 
um, you know, had stellar results previously to this, but he's making a name for himself in the AMA at a bit of an older age, you know, so they are, they are getting some attention and yeah, obviously the three digit number on the back usually stands out too. So when it's up front, they get some, uh, get some good highlights. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And how are some of the other guys uh, just to sort of wrap up the full 50 because we're sort of on a bit of a time schedule but, you know, Marchbank's another great effort. Nora Nicoletti getting inside that top 10, mate. Uh, it was a good bit of fun to see, you know, Wedge commentating and he wasn't jumping the leap and uh, he's giving a bit of stick for that, mate, but he's great value. Great to have him <laughs> back out there. And he obviously AC, uh, the riding was good. Just, yeah, a few little missteps for him, but um, he would have probably gained a bit of confidence from that, mate, anyway. But yeah, just some other guys there that uh, caught your eye too. Yeah, look, I was keeping an eye on Phil because obviously knowing that he'd been back from injury and still sort of getting his feet back after that wrist and he was jumping the Rocco's leap. I'll I'll, I'll back <laughs> him up because I, I specifically watched to see how far back in the 450s guys were jumping it and he definitely jumped it. He probably just missed it that one lap that Weege yeah. was watching. Yeah. Um and you know cheeky bugger Weege would would give it to him for sure, <laughs> but no he was he was great and I was actually in the pits talking to Marchbanks and and Phil um when they told Phil that he'd gotten a top ten overall and his face sort of was like no shit you know like I did you know oh that's awesome he he was pumped which was awesome to see and and obviously Marchbanks is doing pretty well as well so yeah those the Club MX boys are obviously making some leaps on those four fifties I think they're going to be challenging a bit more in these next few rounds too they're coming on so. Yeah, absolutely, Good to see you, mate. Good program they've got going there. And just to the 250s, just, just a word on Hunter. I was, yeah, shocking what happened to him, but it looks like he's all right. And you spoke to Dazza and, uh, yeah, sort of tell us what he had to say, not only about the injury, but some of those fast <laughs> kids off the starts, mate. The old brains come out of the head. He had some choice words, didn't he? He, he did. Oh, I wouldn't say choice words, but he's just an <laughs> Aussie, you know, and that's just the way we describe yeah. things. And, like, yeah, I went over to sort of check on Hunter, obviously, that, that crash, and he didn't make the moto. And I just wanted to see if there was anything, you know, to it because they obviously mentioned in different points about maybe he broke something, maybe, you know, nobody knows when they go down like that and they disappear in the truck. So I wanted just to hear from somebody that would know. And, yeah, he, he basically had a stinger, essentially, which is where you just quickly impact the nerve and it just sends the arm dead um, quickly recovers and if you think anyone who's watched like a footy game you know where they a guy goes into tackle and sort of the arm just goes limp that's that same thing but it usually comes around in sort of 10 15 minutes which is fine for a footy game because you can sort of sub off and come back in and away you go again but moto <laughs> that don't work um but yeah dazzy then was filling me in on a few things and and obviously then mentioned about the start but in a true true fashion for an Aussie, just basically straight put it back onto onto the fault of the one who was crashed and injured <laughs> and said that it was all all Hunter's fault and he shouldn't have been in that position and he's he's a, he's he knows better and all this sort of stuff. But he yeah, he did have a couple of uh <laughs> different words or, or ways of describing the rider on the inside and outside of him that put him in that situation too. So that was absolutely hilarious and yeah, does he Dazzy's just a great character, to be honest. I met him earlier in the day, and oh look, I could I could spend a lot of time with Dazzy and have a lot of fun with him. I reckon he'd be he'd be great to talk to for a few hours with a beer and whatnot. So yeah, absolutely, mate. He would have been probably pretty happy to see another another Aussie there, mate. And just uh, how are Hunter's ribs? Obviously, he's been having those issues previously. Did they get a bit of a beating too from that one? They did, unfortunately. So he, the main part initially that he didn't get up from was the fact he was winded. So obviously that's whacked the rib cage again. Um, they didn't say whether they were, you know, 
impacted to the extent that they were from the originally before the start of the season from round one at parlor there but they did say that he's probably going to have a either very reduced or no riding time this week in an effort to make sure that he's there to go again for southwick so yeah just it doesn't sound like he's had despite the results it doesn't sound like he's had the best season in terms of how it's all worked you know just week to week training racing he's been able to race really well but obviously the during the week parts hasn't gone well and this has just thrown another another spanner in the works of trying to make the season work for him yeah and obviously his teammate was just announced last week with the acl chance hymas and you sort of hear any yeah. word on that mate that'll probably be you know, out to supercross i'd imagine yeah look this is the the point of the year where you don't really want to have one of those major sort of injuries happen because you really start to impact one just even making the starting line for the next season in two, in terms of the next year at Supercross, but you throw out all those those things before that in terms of the the, the preseason boot camp, the the preseason testing. So for chance at this early point in his career where he's going to want to put more time on a Supercross track, like he only did a handful of races this year before he switched back to the outdoors, he needs more time on a Supercross track. He's going to miss out on a fair chunk of that. Like where. What are we? We just ticked over into July. Yeah. Um, we're talking five months. Uh, that's the end of the year, you know. So at best, he's an East Coast runner. Yeah, it's not good, especially with riding so well, picking up so much momentum, mate. He, yeah, he's a massive talent. So hopefully, it doesn't hinder him too much. He's only young, so yeah, plenty of time to get mm. back on it. And just uh, some words on Kitchen, mate. How skilled was he? The riding was brilliant. Like staying really low on those downhill jumps, scrubbing just. Really looked fast, mate, especially in that second one. He was sort of really underlined his capabilities, mate, because you know he's one of the most skilled and talented guys out there. Just putting it all together is uh, with the starts and everything's obviously been an issue and the consistency, but it looked pretty special. Moto 2 was great. Um, funnily enough, like the for him winning, he, he obviously wasn't jumping the leap, you know, with that star bike underneath him. He still made it all work. And he, like you said, he stayed really low on the jumps. He was just running that smooth, consistent line. And with Deegan pretty much hitting the leap every lap, and then even Justin Cooper doing it most laps as well. You know, obviously that star bike is super fast and capable of doing that that jump, but I don't think I saw Levi do it at all in either moto. Maybe once in the first moto, but um, yeah, he just made it work. The way he just rode the whole track, got it. He, he just found the way around it in without losing time, and he pulled away from Deegan quite easily, to be honest, in that in that moto too. So. It was a really impressive ride. The haircut and the hair... Oh, sorry. I should say the hair <laughs> colouring. I'm not so impressed with. That was a bit weird when I walked past him in the pits and I sort of had to take a double take. I'm like, what have you done to your head? But he obviously thought it was good. Um, so, yeah, well done on the motor win. Not so much on the hair hair dye. Yeah, mate. It's uh, getting into the red bud theme, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, yeah, Cooper and Vial, mate, they're sort of up next in the standings. Um, yeah, Cooper would be a bit frustrated. He couldn't have done better, obviously, making up the points that he, he lost in the last round. So, yeah, a little bit of a missed opportunity for him. But Vial obviously had that tangle in the first one. And that second motor was impressive. How he just reeled in Deegan, which is sort of a theme of him. Uh, learning the tracks, get more comfortable. The fitness comes to the mm. fore in those second ones. The track gets beat up and he's, you know, used to that kind of thing. And he's just so efficient with his technique and his riding it was pretty impressive wasn't it mate it was vr was really good to watch and it, I, obviously just time on the track his moto twos are much better i really feel that he could have had the, a good overall podium potentially the the overall if that first moto collision hadn't happened like he was on it and he was looking really good up until that point so yeah bit of bad luck there but vr's definitely 
definitely as good as advertised from the MXGPs, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, mate. He's an absolute weapon. And uh, just another couple of guys like Hampshire, Vol and Shimoda, probably yeah, days they want to do better, you know. They just got to tie it all together with the consistency and, you know, just some words on them. And um, Seth Hamaker, very impressive coming back from his injury. That was a navicular, wasn't it? Talk us through that one and how challenging that one is to get over because obviously they touched on it and he's been out for a while. It's not an easy one, is it? No, look, those other guys that you mentioned there, yeah, they all probably sh- should be looking to work do something differently because they're not getting to the front, especially Joe, like he did last year. So something's, something's changed. And we sort of talked about that a little bit before about a theory I had about them, maybe looking to the, to the next bike or the next contract at least. But, but for um, Seth, he, his Moto one was awesome. And the fact that he was able to sustain the position as well as he did um, for as long as he did, particularly after that injury, like you mentioned, the navicular, it's one of the, major stabilizing bones in the wrist there and everything sort of forces and all the the power come through that point as the base of support with that and the scaphoid so it they're slow healers um they're just difficult to get back from and we've talked about it before with these wrist and hand injuries but all the pressure goes through there and, and you feel to the bike and so what Seth did on the weekend was was really impressive from that point of view from me watching uh, you know post injury yeah, just good to see him get a consistent run of results and health, mate, because he's got so much talent. He just seems to always be something happening around the corner, isn't it? And just any final he, thoughts on the 250 class, mate? You know, Benick, pretty impressive on his debut. Uh, looked really clean and crisp and, you know, pretty efficient getting through the various sections to negotiate, mate. It was a pretty brutal track by the end. And um, also just tell us about how bad that track was at the end, mate, because it looked absolutely savage. It it was, but you know what? There's something about Red Bar that, one, it gets rough, but... The dirt still looks beautiful from mm-hmm. from at least from the from where I was standing. I still would have taken a bike out and cut a lap. Um, but yeah, just going back on the Seth Hamaker and and like you said about if he could stay healthy, he's he's if he could stay healthy, he could be really good. Like he's obviously got speed, he's obviously got fitness in there too. When he is running, he just can't seem to stay off the ground and stay healthy, which is disappointing. But if he could get a year or two in a row, he might be really dangerous for some decent results. Daxon looked obviously he got that that pole but the interesting yeah. part about watching him on the actual track in the motos there's a there's a difference in terms of making it through the you know that pro level race and that 30 plus two because you could tell the front runners there was just an aggression throughout the whole track in terms of in between obstacles you know the the point where you start to get on the throttle out of a corner you know in terms of how early you were Daxton in the second moto there, particularly the second one at the end, there was just hesitations in those points. So the fitness probably just isn't quite there yet. And that's just that rookie application, not being used to doing 30 minutes, you know, not having that man strength as everybody likes to refer to it, but just basically having that muscular endurance. Um, But it will come. But yeah, he's impressive for, for the time being for what he's been able to do. And did you tune into the combine the uh, day before, mate? And how was it if you did? I was there. I watched some of it. Um, those kids are nuts. They were hitting the leap and stuff. Um, and obviously, they're going pro very shortly, so they should be able, capable of doing it. And the track was obviously in a better condition, like you just sort of mentioned. It was the the leap run up was. I got to tell you, when we drove in, we came in from that that end of the of the complex, the south entrance, and that was the first thing I saw. And basically, I was like, holy shit. 
<laughs> it's a big, it's a big up ramp. It, it does the TV does not do that justice okay. at all. But those kids were not scared. But they were, they were impressive out there as well. So yeah, it was really cool to watch those guys and um, you know, have them a part of the pro scene there and on that track at, at the at the at the race weekend for the national. Yeah, it's good for him to have a hit out like that. And just a final one, mate. Uh, Dr. G, how good was it talking to him, mate? Obviously full of insight. And um, he gave you some nuggets of information there, didn't he? He did. Uh, I, I've always watched, you know, because the, I, I, said to, I said to G when I was talking to him about it, because a physio over in Australia and a chiropractor, they tend to be, uh, you know, worst enemies and and putting, putting shit on each other left, right and centre about each other's practices. So, I've obviously always seen him around working with different athletes. And he, like you said, in, when I talked to him, he's done it for years and years and years. Um, and so he's, a, he's a wealth of knowledge in terms of just the application from injury and, and recovery and preparation to motocross and supercross. So yeah, it was, I was really nice to catch up to with him and I, I would like to pick his brain a bit further about a few things, but yeah, he, he obviously looks after these guys really well and they trust him really well um, in terms of, you know, getting them ready to be on the bike and on track each weekend. And he does a lot of work with these guys. It's it's amazing to hear how much time he puts into them on a race weekend. Oh, absolutely, mate. And um, yeah, it was great, great. Those podcasts you released, really, really terrific insight and something a bit different to what you usually hear, mate. So yeah, just before we let mm. you go, just any final words are you going to make to extend the trip out to Southwick and uh, where can all the fans <laughs> listen and follow your work? Oh, look, I'd love to go to Southwick, but uh, the uh, the rest of this American junket is family orientated, so I'll be uh, watching back on the TV like the rest of us, unfortunately. But we'll uh, we'll get to those in time. Um, but yeah, no, look, the obviously those post race interviews I did to try to make it one in, in, entertaining and still interesting from from the race point of view. But yeah, try to ask some different angled questions and get some different characters in there that maybe you don't hear from or in a, in a light that you hear from. So yeah. Check that out. I'll just basically search Always Moto on any of your podcast platforms and you'll, you'll find us there. And and obviously, we've got those YouTube things going as well and, and um, the Instagrams as well. So, yeah, find us on any of those. But we've, you can keep finding us here on MX Vice, it seems, a bit more too. So that's awesome. Yeah, mate, it's been great. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on board and, um, you know, providing some insight because, yeah, the fans are really enjoying these. And before we let you go, mate, we'll take the sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, even Strokes, all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, mate, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the American trip. Will do. Thanks, Ed. Talk to you soon. Cheers, mate.